a chance to have a little think about uh, last week, which I hope was beneficial, and after I've spoken, we're going to get another chance today to talk about what you've heard. So lots of talking today. Okay, if you're, if you're happy about that, great. If you're a bit nervous about that, sorry, but it's good for you. <laughs> okay, well, John, last week, he talked about blessed to be a blessing. That's kind of how I understand it. Like, it's not just for us. God hasn't just given us all this good stuff so we can just sit happy and go, ooh, we've got great stuff. We're blessed to be a blessing, and we're called to be salt and light. He mentioned that. Um, And he also talked about our primary tool can sometimes be just a tea bag, and I'm going to talk about that a bit later as well. Um, Often people say, well, what did you do at Bible college? And I say, well, I drank a lot of tea. (laughs) But that is really important. You ask anyone, ask Alison Smith, what do you do? She says, I drink a lot of tea, and I drink it with a purpose, okay? Tea is really important. Actually, at the end of last week, Rob just turned to me and said, actually, I don't like tea. I said, you should go out for prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this week, we're thinking about mission a lot wider, okay? We're going a bit wider. We're going into friends and networks. And next week, we're going to go even wider. We're going to go to the whole world. You know, mission is, as we know, it's something that can't be contained. If you love Jesus, you're going to be bursting to say something about him. And I don't know about you, but often I don't feel like I'm bursting to say something about Jesus. I think love is really important. I'm going to come back to that a bit later on. But our first point, I think, because we're talking, aren't we, about what are the core values of Portswood Church. And I'll probably say one of the core values of this church is that uh, mission's important, And we believe that sharing our faith is a natural response to the experience of knowing God, of feeling his love. Let me see if I can make this work. Here we go. It's a natural response. I think it's really important. If we really are following Jesus, it's going to be something that we naturally want to do. In 1 John, it talks about we love God because he first loved us. We read about how um, God is love. And as we experience God, we should be growing in love for him and love for others. We will want to share our most treasured possession with the people that we care about. Um, I'm going to use a really simple analogy, coffee, okay? (laughs) So I'll read you this, and then we'll put it into mission. I've just discovered the experience of the new Costa coffee shop. I am in love with the coffee. I wish you could experience this, so I will invite you to to experience this out of my friendship and my love for you. Hearing about it from me is nowhere near experience it. You're a bit sceptical, maybe, but I know that if you just have one cup of this coffee, just like I have, once you've truly tasted this coffee and truly experienced it, you will know the joy and the sensuality and the richness of life that has, brought, that has been brought from this simple cup. And so I'm going to invite you 
And obviously you can say yes or no. We're motivated by love, aren't we? If we experience Jesus, we want those we know to experience it too. Secondly, it's not just normal, it is vital. It's vital, isn't it? Jesus sent his disciples, he sent them off before his resurrection, after his resurrection. We know the classic verses, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came to them um, and said, uh, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go to the people, all nations, and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to do everything I've told you. And I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. And obviously, afterwards, Acts 1, 8. Eight, chapter verse 8, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power and you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. Jesus also said, you know, if you love me, you'll obey me. So we've got these two things motivating us to share our faith. Firstly, love. Secondly, obedience. Oh, sorry. Okay, thirdly, we believe that mission Acting and speaking about Jesus is for all believers. All believers, not just a chosen few. In the New Testament, again and again, we see really ordinary people sharing about Jesus. Take our fishermen, unschooled fishermen, go and witness to what Jesus has done. In the past, we had all this stuff about priests, ministering, but today... We have a kingdom of priests. Every single one of us is there to show, to uh, invite, to demonstrate what Jesus is like. In 1 Peter 9, it says, But you are God's chosen and special people. You're a group of royal priests and a holy nation. God has brought you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Now you must tell the wonderful things that he has done. It seems to me that it's always God's delight to use the ordinary and make it extraordinary. Have you ever noticed that? Each of us in this room are God's tools that he wants to use. Now, it might mean that you feel, oh, actually, I feel a bit rusty or a bit broken or a bit squeaky or not very much use. But God delights to use the ordinary. He doesn't need to go to B&Q and get the snazziest, latest thing. He likes to use the ordinary to do extraordinary things. And we need to trust him that he might use us differently, but he is going to use us all. Aha, the fake baby is crying. It's not a real baby. (laughs) You can find that out later. (laughs) Off you (laughs) go. Off it goes. (laughs) The problem, I think, is sometimes we convince ourselves that it's not our gift. Actually, I'm a bit shy, I'm a bit uncomfortable, I'm not really sure it's right to be pushing my opinions on other people. But that's not true, is it? In this verse, it says, you are chosen. It says, you are a group of royal priests, a holy nation. You are it, whether you feel like it or not. You are the priests, you are the ones that God is going to show himself through. And we do this just by being. 
As we live, befriend, socialise, work, travel, shop, play, parent, we've got great opportunities for people to see God's influence in our lives. Okay, so I'll give us some examples. Okay, you turn the cheek and um, you turn the other cheek, you give another an employee another chance, you're more interested in people than profit, you work with true integrity, you don't allow work to be your status, you go the extra mile for a colleague, you treat people with dignity and respect, you tip your waiter when he comes to you, generously, you write letters of thanks to teachers or medical professions. When friends ask us simple things like, what mortgage do you have? Or how do you deal with your angry toddler? Or how do you share jobs in your marriage? Or should I get my child christened? Or where are you going on holiday this year? Or do you think I should go for a promotion? Or do you think I should get married? Or do you think I should go for a new job? All these are just ordinary life with great opportunities to share. It's the mundane life, the questions of the everyday are brilliant opportunities. And I want us to recognise that this morning. If we think in the Bible, think of the demonic man who was freed from mental anguish and physical and all sorts of horrible things. Jesus says to him, go home. Oh, I might have that. Yeah. Go home to your own people and tell how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis <laughs> how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Just an ordinary guy. He's got some demons, mental illness. He's telling what Jesus has done for him. Secondly, let's take the woman at the well. Ordinary women, life's not gone quite as she maybe dreamed of as a child. Things have not worked out. Man after man has messed things up for her. She keeps plowing into new relationships. And Jesus speaks with her, okay, in John 28. And after a few moments with Jesus, she rushes home to tell her village to make up their mind about him. The woman went back to her town and said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Thirdly, Andrew, one of the disciples, a completely ordinary guy going about fishing. When he meets Jesus, he realizes who Jesus is. And the first thing he does is rush straight to his brother with exciting news. It says one of the two men who had heard John and had gone with Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah. See, in the New Testament, it's ordinary individuals. They're not trained in evangelism. They don't have a three-point sermon worked out. They're just ordinary people who tell others what Jesus has done for them. Next point. Jesus has strategically placed his disciples in unique places with unique opportunities to show him. If you think about Jesus, he didn't reveal himself exclusively in the synagogue. In fact, that was just sort of occasionally, really. 
Rather, he revealed himself and God's love in just normal life. Maybe he attended a party, maybe he was getting a drink, maybe he was coping with some kind of weather problems. Talking about the weather, Jesus managed to reveal who he was through the normal things. And we too get to reveal Jesus in the normal things, the normal things in life. Now, normal things in life, in schools, social centres, you're in the shops, you're in the boardroom, you're in a classroom, you're in a netball team, you're in a hall of residence, you're in a mum's group, you're in a band, you're in a club, society, retirement home, family groups, neighbourhoods. These are all amazing and perfect opportunities for revealing Jesus. It's not about the holy huddle and being frustrated, thinking, I wish someone would come in. No, we're already uniquely placed and sent by Jesus. That's why when we're in Portswood as a church, we don't just think about mission as what we do as a group. Although that is really important. We don't just think of mission as someone who's gone to the other side of the world. We think of mission for all of us. We are all in a unique place sharing Jesus. So when we think about mission, we think about officers. We think about residence associations. We think about families. We think about book clubs. We think about getting our hair cut. Everything is a chance to proclaim. And we're going to have seasons, aren't we? We might have seasons where it seems like we get lots of opportunities and we really get into the grips of a good conversation. And we might have other seasons where it just seems like we're doing, we're ticking along. And that is okay because God is always at work. And finally, we are not saying that formal programs don't count. They are vital, Okay. We see them present in the early church. We see feeding programs, the stuff we do here, the toddlers, the English classes, community days, youth clubs, street passes. All those stuff we do together are truly amazing and enrich the community we live in. They're vital. We can't just say, actually, my mission is here at work. I don't have anything to do with that. Because that's about us being together. If we're not together in any way, if we're not enriching and working together in skills and abilities, then we might as well just be listening on the internet. We have to have both, don't we? They're both really important. But what we are saying is mission doesn't end with those activities. It's everywhere. It is in the hospital. It's with our neighbours. It's in our friendship groups, our aerobics class. It is everywhere. So mission is natural, it's vital, and the good news is we're already doing it. Whether you like it or not, you're already in it. So how can we respond? Okay, well, number one, we recognise that God has placed us in a unique place, okay? And where possible, we develop these friendships intentionally, okay? We pray, we think, we reflect. We talk to our colleagues. We don't sit at our desk and read a Christian book. We actually go to the staff room. We go wild and we talk to them. Um, When we meet our Christian, uh, when we're in aerobics class, we turn up a bit early, we stay a bit late. We don't just rush off to meet our Christian friends. We invest in interests, passions, hobbies with non-Christians and we get involved with our neighbours even when we don't really like them, okay? We pray about that, 
We pray for a heart change in us. Number two, don't panic. (laughs) Always important. (laughs) Don't panic. I think sometimes when we hear stuff about mission, we can feel guilty. All right? Let's just deal with that right now. We feel like we're not doing enough. Maybe we failed. Maybe we didn't talk to that person. Maybe we don't know what to say. I'm not good at that. And because of this, we, it can be too easy to let our intentional living, choosing to go outside our holy huddle, to become a religious activity. And I just want us to be just careful of that, okay? Just to be a little bit careful. Which sometimes we can be trying so hard that we lose sight of why we're doing it. We become so wrapped up in being good Christians that we forget what we're about. And the way to deal with this is to remember that when it says what's the most important commandment, it's love the Lord your God first and then your neighbour as yourself. And if we focus on the first bit, loving Jesus, that's the most important thing. We want to love Jesus. We want to know him more. We want to serve him. We want to adore him. We want to reclaim him. Then that stops us kind of getting it the wrong way round and thinking, oh, I must invite my neighbour round now because that's what I should do. Or I will do this because that is the right thing to do. Because that ends up being a bit religious, doesn't it? It's kind of following, ticking a box, saying I'm doing the right thing, rather than it coming out of a real genuine love. I've got to admit, I struggle a little bit with my neighbours. Okay, You might be shocked by that, but I do. And I know that Rob and I, we pray about it. We pray that we would love them. okay? Because that's the right way. I could invite them round and I could pretend that I like them. I could do that. I could do it out of duty. But it's better for me to genuinely want to. To deal with what it is in my heart that's wrong first. So let's get it the right way round. We want to be passionate for Jesus so that we can naturally speak about him rather than forcing it into a conversation because I think I should talk about Jesus now. So let me just take what you've said and bend it a bit so that I can tell you about Jesus. Let's include people in our lives. Let's stop worrying about what they think. Because sometimes we think, oh, I'm with them. They don't know Jesus yet, so I must be especially polite and loving towards my husband now because that will look good. Okay, no, let's not do that. Okay, let's not go down that. Let's not worry about what they think. Let's just include them in our lives with all the mess. We're not perfect. And let's just get them there and accept that we're going to mess up. It's all right. The most important thing is that we want to please Jesus. Okay, so if I want to be nice to my husband, it's because I want to please Jesus. I want to love him and serve him because of Jesus, not because I want to make a good impression. Okay, that's just, that's just something to be careful of. Okay, and finally, we're worried about, you know, what we say. Do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples? They were worried about what the authorities were going to say. And they said, well, you know, we don't even have GCSE Judaism. How are we going to answer them? And Jesus said, don't worry. I'm going to give you what to say at the right time. So let's just trust that. It's going to give us what to say at the right time. Okay, thirdly, it's not about instant results. It takes years, doesn't it? If you think about your own testimony, it isn't straight away. It takes years and years and years. And we have to be in there for the long haul. 
Think about our non-Christian family. He's seen us, they've experienced us, they've lived with us, maybe, and they're still not following Jesus. It's years and years, isn't it? We need to be ready for that. Think about our colleagues. Maybe we've gone wild and shared a bit of birthday cake with them, but we haven't actually done anything else yet. It's okay. We're in for the long haul. We're in for the long haul. In the Bible, when you think about Naomi with her non-Christian daughter-in-laws, she had 10 years with them. And think about what happened. Their husbands died and they were barren. But something went on, didn't it? Because at the end of it, Ruth said, she declared very strongly, oh, it's not on there, I will go with you where you go. I will live where you live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I will die when you die and be buried beside you. Something in those 10 years had taken place. They had been through some rough times together. And, you know, Naomi could have been tempted to think, oh, this isn't really very good. This isn't really showing what God's like. But look at what happened. She stuck in there. She prayed for them. She wanted God to bless them. Think about Daniel. All the mess and the difficulty. His integrity and hard work over years and years and years resulted in the king saying, I am glad to tell you about the wonderful miracles God Most High has done for me. His miracles are mighty and marvellous. He will rule forever and his kingdom will never end. This is about a long-term commitment to our friends, our networks, our colleagues. I'm just going to finish with a little bit of an insight into me. I was thinking about the last 10 years, and hopefully this will help you as well. So I've seen times when God seems to be speaking to my family and my friends and my colleagues. I've had late-night conversations. I've discussed relationships, finance, parenting, death, heaven, hell, suffering, tax, But I've only seen a tiny, weeny, weeny majority of people come to actually know Jesus in all those years. And of these friends, I see an even smaller majority that are going on with Jesus. I've seen my words fall on completely rock. Um, I've seen the devil snatch away promises and give them lies. I've seen people confess to my face, I know I should follow Jesus, but I'm not going to. And I've seen people really confused about why they're so frightened to follow Jesus. And right now, I'm not perfect. I meet, a gr- I meet some mums on a Friday. <laughs> we talk about life, and I really long for them to know Jesus. I'll meet friends I've known for years and were only just mentioning the G word. That's God. (laughs) I say pleasantries to the woman who serves me coffee in Trago. And I regret the day she looked at me and said, I said, how are you? And she said, I'm not great, actually. And I couldn't talk to her because there was millions of customers. (laughs) And I regret that day. But God knows what happened. I smile at the women in co-op. I socialise with family members whose subject of Jesus is not allowed. We don't talk about it. It's silent. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know what God is doing. All I know is he's in control. He's put me in the world, put us in the world. We're in unique places. We're salt and light. We're mixed up. 
And who knows what Jesus is doing through us? You, um, the, I don't know if you heard that joke, I don't really know it, but it's the one about how the angels look down and look at the disciples and they cannot believe that Jesus is going to use this bunch of nobodies to reach the world. Well, we are the bunch of nobodies and we are God's primary method of reaching. So we are, whether we like it or not. In house groups this week, we're going to go a bit deeper. If you're not in house group, Why not take the opportunity today, go see Amanda, and we will get you in a house group. We're going to look at some of the perceptions of mission. We're going to look at some of the difficulties in building friendships in this culture. And we're going to acknowledge our frustrations. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to do that in house group this week. Now, we're just going to look at a few things. James is going to come back up, and we're going to discuss just one thing.